like the melody of a classic song or the twilight just before the dawn there's one thing you can bet what you never will regret the show will go on welcome to the show will go on podcast i'm your host olive astor presenting a matter of husbands by frank molnar the scene is a drawing room but a screen a sofa and a chair will do provided that the design and colourings are exotic and suggestive of the apartment for the famous Hungarian actress in which this dialogue takes place. The time is late afternoon, and when the curtain rises, the earnest young woman is discovered, poised nervously on the edge of a gilt chair. It is plain she has been sitting there for a long time. For perhaps the fiftieth time, she is studying the furnishings of the room, and regarding the curtain's door, with a glance that would be impatient if it were not so palpably frightened. And now and then she licks her lips as if her mouth was dry. She is dressed in a very modest frock and wears her hat and furs. At last, the famous actress enters through the curtain's door at the right which leads to her boudoir. You wish to see me? Yes. She gulps emotionally. What can I do for you? The young woman extends her arms in a beseeching gesture. Give me back my husband. Give you back your husband? Yes. The famous actress only stares at her in speechless bewilderment. You are wondering which one he is. He is a blonde man, not very tall, wears spectacles. He is a lawyer, your manager's lawyer. Alfred is his first name. Oh, I have met him, yes. I know you have. I implore you, give him back to me. There is a long pause. You mustn't mistake my silence for embarrassment. I am at a loss because I don't quite see how I can give you back your husband when I haven't got him to give. You just admitted that you knew him. That scarcely implies that I have taken him from you. Of course I know him. He threw up my last contract. And it seems to me I have seen him um, once or twice since then. Backstage? A rather nice-spoken, fair-haired man. Did you say he wore spectacles? Yes. Hmm. Mm -mm. I don't remember him with spectacles. He probably took them off. He wanted to look his best to you. He is in love with you. He never takes them off when I'm around. He doesn't care how he looks when I'm around. He doesn't love me. I implore you, give him back to me. If you weren't such a very foolish young woman, I should be very angry with you. Wherever did you get the idea that I have taken your husband from you? He sends you flowers all the time. That's not true. It is. It isn't. He never sent me a flower in all his life. Did he tell you he did? No. I found out at the florists. The flowers are sent to your dressing room twice a week and charged to him. That's a lie. Do you mean to say that I am lying? I mean to say that someone is lying to you. The young woman fumbles in her bag for a letter. And what about this letter? Letter? 
He wrote it to you. And he said... He wrote it to me? Let me see. No, I'll read it to you. She opens it and reads mournfully. My darling, shan't be able to call for you at the theatre tonight. Urgent business. A thousand apologies. Ten thousand kisses. Alfred. Oh. I found it on his desk this morning. He probably intended to send it to the theatre by messenger, but he forgot it. And I opened it. <laughs> she begins to weep. Oh, you mustn't cry. Why mustn't I? You steal my husband and I mustn't cry. Oh, I know how little it means to you and how easy it is for you. One night you dress like a royal princess and the next night you undress like a Greek goddess. You blacken your eyebrows and redden your lips and wax your lashes and paint your face. You have cosmetics and bright lights to make you seem beautiful. And author's lines to make you seem witty and wise. No wonder a poor, simple-minded lawyer falls in love with you. What chance have I against you in my cheap little frock, my own lips and eyebrows, my own unstudied ways? <laughs> I don't know how to strut and pose and lure a man. I haven't got Mr. Shakespeare to write beautiful speeches for me. In reality, you may be more stupid than I am, but I admit that when it comes to alluring men, I have no match for you. <laughs> the actress regards her appraisingly. Is a very interesting case. What is? Yours. Mine? What do you mean? I mean that I never received a flower or a letter or anything else from your husband. Tell me, haven't you and your husband been getting on rather um, badly of late? Yes, of course. You used to be very affectionate to each other? Why, yes. And of late, you have been quite cold? Yes. Oh, of course. A typical case. My dear, if you knew how often we actresses met this sort of thing. <laughs> it is perfectly clear that your husband has been playing a little, maybe, comedy <laughs> to make you jealous, to... Revive your interest in him. The young woman is dumbfounded and stares at the famous actress. Do you really think that? Do you mean to say such a thing has happened to you before? Oh, <laughs> endless times! It happens to every actress who is moderately pretty and successful. It is one of the oldest experience in the world, and we actresses are such conspicuous targets for it. There is scarcely a man connected with the theater who doesn't make use of us in that way sometime or another. Authors and composers, scene designers, lawyers, um, orchestra leaders, even the managers themselves. To regain a wife or sweetheart's affections, all they need to do is invent a love affair with one of us. The wife is always so ready to believe it. Usually we don't know a thing about it. 
but even when it is brought to our notice, we don't mind so much. At least we have the consolation of knowing that we are the means of making many a marriage happy, which might otherwise have ended in the divorce court. But how... how could I know? The actress gives a gracious little laugh. <laughs> there, dear. You mustn't apologize. <laughs> you couldn't know, of course. Seems so plausible. You fancy your husband in an atmosphere of perpetual temptation, in a backstage world full of beautiful sirens without scruples or morals. One actress, you suppose, is more dangerous than a hundred ordinary women. You hate us and fear us. None understands that better than your husband who is evidently a very cunning lawyer. And so he plays on your fear and jealousy to regain the love you deny him. He writes a letter and leaves it behind him on the desk. Trust the lawyer never to do that unintentionally. He orders flowers from me by telephone in the morning and probably cancels the order the moment he reaches his office. Uh, by the way... Hasn't he a look of my hair? Yes. In his desk drawer. I brought it with me. Yes. <laughs> they bribe my hairdresser to steal from me. It's a wonder I have any hair left at all. Is that how he got it? Can't imagine how else. Tell me. Hasn't he left any of my love letters lying around? No. Oh, don't be alarmed. I haven't written him any. Then what made you... I might have if he had come to me frankly and said, I say, Sarah, will you do something for me? My wife and I aren't getting on so well. Would you write me a passionate love letter that I can leave lying around at home where she may find it? I should certainly have done it for him. I'd have written a letter that would have made you weep into your pillow for a fortnight. I uh, wrote ten like that for a very eminent playwright once but he had no luck with them his wife was such a proper person she returned them all to him unread uh, how clever you are how good i'm neither better nor worse than any other girl in the theater even though you do consider us such monsters <laughs> i have been a perfect fool well you do look a bit silly standing there with tears in your eyes and your face flushed with happiness because you have discovered that a little blonde man with spectacles loves you after all <laughs> my dear no man deserves to be adored as much as that but then it is your own affair isn't it yes yet I want to give you a parting bit of advice don't let him fool you like this again he won't. Never fear. No matter what you may find in his pockets. Letters, handkerchiefs, my photograph. No matter what flowers he sends or letters he writes or appointments he makes, don't be taken in a second time. You may be sure of that. And you won't say anything to him about my coming here, will you? Not a word. 
I'm angry with him for not having come to me frankly for permission to use my name the way he did. <laughs> you are dear, and I don't know how to thank you. Oh, you mustn't begin crying all over again. <laughs> <laughs> you have made me so happy. She kisses the famous actress impetuously, wetting her cheek with tears. Then she rushes out. The door closes behind her. There is a pause. The actress goes to the door of her boudoir. All right, Alfred. You can come in now. She is gone. <laughs> the curtain falls. Thank you for listening to the Show Will Go On podcast. I'm your host, Olive Astor. Please subscribe and check out our website, theshowwillgoon.com. Like the melody of a classic song or the twilight just before the dawn, there's one thing you can bet what you never will regret. The show will go on. All the actors have so much practice. They've been sleeping with their costumes on. We hope you're rooting for them because it's too late to ignore them. The show will go on. 